0: This episode of the Tabletop Submarine Podcast is produced by Cake Pie Games. Cake Pie Games, games that are a piece of cake to set up and easy as pie to teach. Welcome to the Tabletop Submarine, where we dive a little bit deeper into why we love board games. Strap in and prepare for a deep sea adventure. You're your host. Voyagers, ye flickers of mighty fields, Ooh. ye pushers of disc, and ye croaks of the knoll. Welcome to the Tabletop Submarine Podcast. It is so good to have you here on our little voyage. With me as always is my commander at arms and the destroyer of nations and the widowmaker.
1: Yeah, it's so flicking fun. Uh, my name is Andrew. I'm the co-host and welcome to the show. And today's guest, we, we, we already kind of hinted at it here, obviously. Uh, all Things Crokinole, one of my best Crokinole friends, Stephen Brown of Brown Castle Games. Welcome to the show, Stephen.
2: Awesome. I appreciate the opportunity to get to hang out with you guys and all the listeners today.
1: Yeah, so uh, we've recently discovered you and uh, we became friends almost immediately. The quality of your boards is amazing. So... What did you do to step up the game? Because, you know, I'd only known Crokinole from Mayday Games, which I'm not going to badmouth them. They did fine. They did okay boards, and they ran tournaments for a long time. But that's the only place I'd ever known I could get Crokinole boards from. And then when I saw your product, it was dramatically better. How did you find this process? How did you start this process? Give us a little backstory of where you came to dive into the Crokinole world.
2: Not sure. So... You know, I kind of come from a gaming family where we, you know, every single family get together, all the family picnics and 4th of July, all that, you know, we were always playing games, right? And mm-hmm. during the nicer times of the year, we, we live just north of Pittsburgh. So, you know, good portion of the year, you know, we were out there playing croquet and bocce ball and ladder golf and mm-hmm. cornhole, those kind of games. So, you know, the the fun thing was, you know, even the adults in our family, they played a lot of these dexterity games. And okay. obviously during the colder times of year, you know, you, you want some fun stuff to play inside. And while, you know, like our aunts and them, you know, they'd play like a lot of dominoes and sequence and, you know, card games and things like that. We just wanted that tactile feel for, you know, those dexterity games, right. You know, that, that's, that's what our family really loves. So, you know, we, at the time, you know, we couldn't find a crokinole board. Right. So we actually had to import it from Canada to get our first board. And then obviously the family's like, Hey, we're having this get together. Make sure you bring your board, you know? And then Mm -hmm. from there, it just kind of grew, you know, everyone wanted their own board. Right. And we're like, well, we can't get any around us. So let's, let's start making them. And, uh, you know, there was a lot of trial and error, a lot of, um, testing and different surfaces and all these things that came along and, uh, you know, one of the things we saw was that, you know, a lot of Crokinole boards are very bland. You know, they, they a Mm -hmm. lot of them look identical. A lot of them look the same. You know, you might have like a lighter stain and a darker stain, but that was kind of the extent of it. So over these years, I mean, we've really kind of brought some artistic uh, touches into the the game as well. Um, You know, with you know, resin surface boards and bright colors. And uh, we do all our own line painting. So, you know, we can do some mm-hmm. crazy custom boards like that. And it's just been, it's
1: been an absolute blast. You've got these new things, skylines. So you've got the skylines of the cities. That's kind of cool. It goes around the outside. That's really impressive. But these things are like samurai swords. Like you've seen a huge gradation of quality out there. And now I've seen that Amazon is starting to put up cheap boards for a reasonable price, which of course I like accessibility and that's all good. But specifically your level of quality is one of the things that I jumped on and noticed right away. Can you tell me a little bit more about the quality of your boards? Yeah. So, you know, obviously
2: doing, making the boards ourselves is, uh, you know, it allows us to, you know, monitor every part of the process there. Obviously the most important thing in a dexterity game is that consistency of play right? Mm -hmm. With some of these lower quality boards, you know, they, they save money by using uh, almost like foam boards, you know, like MDF, you know, fiber boards and things like that. Mm -hmm. Um, They make these tiny playing surfaces that are only like an eighth of an inch thick, right? Where your discs are going to bounce off discs sitting in the gutter, right? And things that most people might not think about, but, you know, having played on them, you know, there's a lot of little things like that that make a big difference.
1: I think the surface is also one of the most important aspects, right? Like it's got to glide smoothly across. And yes, you can fix that with layers and layers of wax and you can do other things to doctor up your board. But one of the things I noticed with your boards when I first played was how easy and smooth and consistent the stroke was. Like just when I go, when I, when I flicked at the certain power, it felt like that certain power. I didn't feel like there was a, a variation in there. What specifically about your boards do you feel like you nailed as far as that goes? Uh,
2: yeah, you know, it just kind of comes down to that polishing process, comes down to, you know, making sure, you know, you're, you're doing a good job with the wax, the, uh, you know, silicone spray, you know, and part of it is just that we've continued to tinker and test new things. Um, there are even more things that we're testing now. I mean, looking back over the years of the changes we've made, I mean, we've even gone to the point of custom CNCing our pegs right? So we can put these beautiful screw caps on them. So they just look gorgeous. You know, that, that's my personality, I guess, never being 100% satisfied and always continuing to try that, get that extra
1: couple percent better. And, uh, I I think it's, it's showing. I think it definitely shows. And, uh, just for our listeners, just know that I'm already buying a board from him. So it's, it's one of those things where like, I stand by the product that I'm talking about and I really like all the stuff that he does. So, uh, yes, highly recommend checking him out. There are lots of great coconut boards out there. It's not the only one, but he's the one I prefer. And it helps that he's a super nice guy. And his wife is super lovely too, by the way. She ran the, the booth and she was super helpful and she was running around. And I'm not sure which one of you worked harder. You were both going crazy. It was awesome.
2: Uh, she does an amazing job. I, I guess as far as your listeners are concerned, if you've never heard about Crokinole, you know, it's it's a classic game from the 1860s. You can play two to four players. It's it's on like a round tabletop board game. You're basically flicking your discs from a shooting line with the intention of making it nearer to the center. So obviously, the mm-hmm. closer you get your disc to the center, the more points you're going to score. And uh, if there are opponents' discs on the board, you're trying to knock their discs off or knock them into lower scoring rings and keep yours on. Um, but it is just, it's quick to learn, hard to master. And uh, mm-hmm. I think that's probably most of the reason why it has been... You know, I guess it's remained in popularity over the years.
0: Yeah, it has been extremely popular. I have my gaming group friends. They, when they were introduced to crokinole, they work at this tech company um, near the city in which I live, and they loved it so much they actually brought a crokinole into their IT department. And they have year-round brackets of how they play, and they nice. just play. It's one of those. Te- it's one of those tech companies where like you kind of just do whatever. They have like swing sets and all that nonsense like, in a com- in a comfortable workplace, you know, and so they just play Crokinole, and they have tournaments all year long, consistently because they love it so much. Crokinole has remained popular, but I feel like in the United States, especially in the past six years, it is absolutely blown up to the point where I feel like there is a good section of, like, at Origins and even at PAX, things that you may not be at, where it's just Crokinole, people playing Crokinole. Why do you think it's exploded so much recently?
2: You know, it's it's kind of a unique thing. It's... I guess most people might not think of Crokinole as like a gateway game, you know, like some of those other big name games out there, but uh it is. It is, you know, people can be drawn to it because it has a certain table presence, right? Anytime you're in a Crokinole area, you hear people cheering and yelling, you know, when you make that amazing shot. And uh what I love about it is even newcomers, you know, they're they're going to make that amazing shot at some point and everyone cheers and they yell and there's the sound of those discs you know slapping off the uh the rails and uh it just has a certain cadence a certain sound that draws people to it and it's not so intimidating as like you know a big vast game out in front of you with tons of cards tons of components and uh you know something that might intimidate those players so i i it, it's a great filler game too you know at conventions if you're between games and waiting on a, a friend to finish up their game hey you can go and play some rounds of Crokinole and uh, it's just that great. It it keeps you engaged and it gives you that fun, you know, in between rather than just kind of sitting and waiting.
1: I think I need to echo the fact that it is super easy to get to play the first time, right? Like, and you're not going to suck at it terribly. You're not going to win against a a player who knows what they're doing, but you're going to make a shot. That's actually be very memorable. And I think that's really what's cool about it with the little pegs that bounce things off and the ricocheting of things, you know, I just introduced this to my nephews and uh, they beat me the first game, not because I didn't know what I was doing, but because they got some really good shots in and they were addicted immediately. Like they immediately jumped on. OK, we're going to play again. We're going to play again. And then we did like a little tournament round robin thing where I played against one and then whoever wins gets to stay and the place comes on. And it was like an hour and a half of us just laughing and playing and joking and nudging each other. And it's just super easy to get into. Okay, awesome. Well, my instruments are going back and forth.
0: It's saying we need to get into our pre-launch. Let's go ahead and jump right into that. The pre-launch. Get to know us and our guests.
1: Josh, your instruments are weird. They do different things every time. I don't know what to say.
0: Well, it's because they're they're adaptive. You know, we we run (laughs) off nuclear... (laughs) We run off nuclear. Sometimes we run off <laughs> diesel, depending on the day. It's just, yeah. you know. Yeah. I think today it's I like just Mountain trying to... Dew. Oh, man, I need that. ah, uh, yes. And today it's on Code Red Mountain Dew, actually. Ah, okay. So that's the flavor of today's fuel. Anyways, in the pre launch, we talk about one game we played recently and how we felt about that. Steven, I want to hand this over to you because I have actually heard and played this game. Do you say you never have? No,
2: I, I have you heard. Have. Sorry. Expert, sorry.
0: Yeah, I, I played this game.
2: Beautiful, yeah. beautiful. So, uh, we were just, um, Taking a little trip to Myrtle Beach with the family a couple weeks ago, and uh, you know we're always looking for those small games we can take with us. You know, I, I have young kids; I, I have a three-year-old and a six-year-old. So, you know, Cluster is is the game that I've been playing lately with them. Um, it comes in a little drawstring bag. It is filled with these kind of nice, rounded, big, chunky magnets. Um, they're very powerful, and uh, the only other component is a string that's tied together, and it makes a ring. So you can play on any like tabletop surface. You set that string down, which forms a circle. And then you divide up all the magnets among the players and you take turns setting these magnets inside the string. Okay. And if you're placing your magnet and you know, you, you see those magnets click together and they, you know, and they go together, then you have to pick those ones up. So you're trying to get rid of all your magnets. So whoever gets rid of their magnets first wins and you might not think there's much strategy involved, but you can place those magnets on their side and it changes how that magnetic field interacts with those other ones around it. So You'll actually have some magnets kind of spin and reorient. You can place your magnet down and kind of drag it into the, uh, the string and you can kind of change the shape of the boundary. Um, so rather mm-hmm. than like a circle, you can make it more oval, you know, to make it challenging, more challenging for that next player to go. But uh, both my children love it. You know, they love seeing those magnets snap together. Um, you know, they love that interaction. There's something magical about magnets and kids.
1: Yeah, I saw this game at uh, the Chicago Toy and Game Fair, and I saw there's also some interesting people doing other things with, with magnets. There's one football game where you flick your uh, guy, not like a crocodile board, but you flick your guy and has a magnet inside, and he makes a tackle when he hits another guy. So there were some interesting things going on. So this, I think magnets are another way that we can do some more interesting things with dexterity games. Nice, nice.
2: Yeah, so definitely definitely a game I'd recommend, you know, throwing it into your carry-on bag. Um, you might get it searched. I don't know. Um, that might be the only downside <laughs> of it.
1: Josh, what have you been playing recently? So
0: I am revisiting one of my previous uh, games I've talked about, Pilach, which is Sleeping Gods. Mm-hmm. This is a game from Ryan Laukit, and it is a ge- it is a huge open world campaign game where you will play a crew of a ship called the Manticore that's been transported to this world that is magical and full of mystery, and you are trying to get back by awakening these gods that have been asleep for thousands of years, and people are trying to stop you. So this game follows where you have this map, like this booklet, and you go to these different points, and based on what points you choose to activate, you read certain like prompts from this giant storybook, and you follow the story and try to Piece clues along the way until you ultimately try to get back to your planet, your your own world, back to Earth, or you have a various different endings depending on what you did. Okay. Um, In between that, there's combat and there's resource management and stuff like that. So uh, when I first played this game, I gave it glowing reviews, saying how much I liked it. As I continue to play it about 12, 15 hours in at this point, I still haven't finished. My feelings on it have wavered a tiny Uh-oh. bit. oh I still really love the combat. Okay. I still really love the resource management and that puzzle. But I am very much dis dis, dis- disenchanted with the point-and-click open world concept in a board game. Oh. I-, I think You know, this might just be a me thing, only because like games like Skyrim, like video games like Skyrim, which are huge open world fantasy adventures, I never got into. I didn't really like the idea of, you know. Being able to not have so much direction that it was confusing. I like being, I, which is weird because I like RPGs and I like my art, my role playing games to be very open ended and very open world. I guess I just don't like it with my board games and video games, and specifically this. Like, I felt like I had no real direction except it was like, yeah, just go point and click and explore. Didn't like that too much. I liked to know how to get to places. So basically, fifty percent of the game I wasn't enjoying, and fifty percent I was absolutely loving i was loving the combat so i mean just revisiting it and playing it more i have to say i'm not sure i want to keep playing it with my wife my wife is loving every aspect of it Um, she likes the story part more than i do so she might just finish it herself and no it's just for me it's like i just don't think i'll be visiting this again uh no knock on the design it's just my personal taste but that's not sleeping gods Andrew, take us away with your giant game that you've been playing.
1: Yeah, so my wife and I, we got Darwin's Journey. We got the Kickstarter uh, exclusive and all the different things like that. And uh, that one was intimidating a little while. So we let it sit on the shelf for a bit, and then finally cracked it open. I think we played six games of it back to back to back to back to back over three days. Like we just, we just left it on the table and we were set up. This game has a beautiful amount of replayability. Each game is a little bit different based on how the setup is done. Uh, But essentially you are assisting in Darwin's journey. So he's going through the Galapagos islands. He's finding different species, stuff like that. You're trying to find them and, Capture them and then send them home to a museum and you want to be the first to do it because you get more money if you do, but then you also can play off other people's explorations, you can gain more knowledge and then then it's just, it's thematically well put together, but the game is a very interesting Euro puzzle. It's not like a, an Ameritrash. It's not, you know, like throw in dice and sit up on the table but it's an efficiency engine that does some interesting twists and you can do the game in multiple directions. So maybe I focus on exploration this game. or Maybe I focus more on you know, trying to combo things this game. Or I try to, you know, get around this island and don't worry about the other two. Or maybe this one, I'm going to skip the first island, go to the second island, and get to the third island as fast as possible. So there's some really interesting things that go on with this game. Highly recommend it. Uh, This game is, I believe, on par for me and my wife. It's a Terraforming Mars Wingspan level game that I think we're going to end up playing for a really long time. So highly recommend it. And I got a couple more expansions to even start going through. So I'm excited about where that can go after that.
0: So so it's going off of this, Stephen. What could, do you, you generally play? You know, larger games like this, or do you kind of stick with more cluster and crocodile level type games? <laughs> I just have curiosity. Nothing wrong with it. That's more. That's more my yeah, level yeah. too. But just out of curiosity,
2: that that is a great question. I mean, so I've been playing board games for a long period of time now. So, you know, I I enjoy just about everything. Um, we have a game group that gets together at you know about monthly. Um, we have a Crokinole club that gets together here in Pittsburgh monthly as well. So we get to play a lot of games. Um, my brother and my cousin and I, you know, looking at like bigger games, you know, we played through the whole Gloomhaven campaign two years ago. Um, so I love the, you know, that kind of, that kind of game. Um, I love the character progression, all that. So yeah, I I like big crunchy games. I like Euros. Uh,
0: there you go. Just, like make, just establishing with our listeners, you're not just the Crokinole guy. So. <laughs> Even though That's Crokinole correct. is That's great, correct. you can fight me if you say anything otherwise. But besides that, my instruments are now ready. The Code Red has infiltrated our system and activated <laughs> our nuclear core. <laughs> we are so ready to go to a dive, so let's head into it. Steven, I think what's funny is that I think we said we're going to call you Steve at the beginning of this podcast, but we just kind of transitioned to Steven. That's okay, though. The helm is yours. Regale us with tales of
2: yore. All right, Josh. So, you know, as far as, you know, memories, tabletop memories and all that, you know, I have a ton of of great memories playing board games and uh You know, it's it's resulted in some amazing friendships and a myriad of inside jokes and all that. You know, when you have a close group of gamers, I enjoy how kind of the diplomacy from one game carries over or or the lack of diplomacy carries over from one game into the next. You know, like when your friend needs some grain to activate their knights, you know, before the barbarians come in Catan, that that decision could be the deciding factor. You know, the next time you're playing Carcassonne with all the expansions and they're deciding which meeple they're going to eat with the dragon. Right. So it's like, Andrew, don't don't forget who made that trade with you last game. Right. That's Uh, the meta (laughs) game. Yeah. (laughs) But when that's it. That's it. So when I look back, you know, going through, you know, the creative process of designing and self-publishing Crokinole Imperium, uh, it really stands out for me. Um, It was something I'd always wanted to do was, you know, kind of create a game. And uh, not because it's some grand, really complex game, but just because of all the fun we had designing and making it and playing it. Um, you know, I had the pleasure of partnering up with a good friend of mine, Coulter Hahn. He's a Canadian game designer and, uh, together, you know, we, we made that expansion to the classic game of Crokinole. Um, so Croconal Imperium, it's, it's really made up of three modular decks, um, called Sabrosa, Freelances and Terranova, and they can all be played together mm-hmm. or separately, you know, so I'll, I can touch on each of these as we go, but you know, to start us off, one of the biggest questions we were dealing with was like, you know, what could you possibly add to the best flicking game ever, right? (laughs) And, you know, Coulter and I were approaching this as Crokinole players ourselves. And so, you know, we really wanted to preserve what makes the game so fun, you know, and and adds to it. I remember watching a a YouTube video of an influencer who was, uh, they were walking by one of our booths at a convention and said something to the effect of, You know those crokinole boards look beautiful, but we all know crokinole isn't really a board game. And I was like, (laughs) and I said, you know, give us their name. How I, I, yeah, yeah. (laughs) How I chose to take that was, you know, just the feedback that they're saying, like, you know, I wish there was something additional, some additional strategy complexity, some additional challenge to the game of crokinole. And so, you know, when you look at expansions, that that's kind of the purpose, right? It's it's for the players that have mastered the base game, you know, and what is an additional enjoyable mechanic, you know, that adds more challenge and strategy. So that's where designing our first deck, um, called Subrosa came in. Um, so Subrosa is a Latin term meaning under the rose. So back in the middle ages, if you were under the rose, you were sworn to secrecy on a quest, a secret mission. And, uh, so that's what this deck adds to the game of Crokinole. It adds hidden objectives. So these objectives could be they could require you to have one of your discs overhang ah. the twenty,
1: um,
2: or it might require you to like take out two opponents' yeah. discs in a single shot. And uh, when you accomplish these tasks, you you reveal your your secret objective and you get one point for that at the end of the round. Now this now you also have to outscore your opponents because you're going to earn one point for you know winning mm-hmm. with points on the board as well so you're trying to do you're trying to play
1: crokinole and beat your opponent as well as accomplish right. your secret objectives and you can see where there's also strategy that plays upon itself like so i might need to take out two of your discs so i might not knock your first disc off and try to set it up in a position where the next time you shoot now i've got the two that i can line up so i think there's some some cool stuff that goes on with like you don't actually play the game the precise best possible in that moment in order to set up a better shot later on that's pretty cool That that's a great
2: insight andrew and that yeah that's exactly what we're looking for and then as you complete these objectives you'll draw a new hidden objective for the next round but uh you know the so that that's sabrosa you know the second challenge we were really looking to address with this expansion was creating a way to help help mm-hmm. balance skill levels you know one one challenge I commonly see in dexterity games is that not everyone is as good as one another, right? Um, You might have, you know, some players that are just beginning, for example. Um, So we were looking to, you know, find a way to help those players without penalizing Mm -hmm. the good players. Okay. Um, So the second deck of cards we designed is called freelances. And that was this, you know, the, what we were really looking to accomplish with it. So in the Middle Ages, if you know, freelances refers to mercenaries whose lance was free right. of any Lord's service. Right. So each mercenary card kind of gives you a single use ability um, that helps tip the round in your favor. So this could be like a card that allows you to score one of your discs if it's okay. overhanging the 20-hole. Um, it could be allowing you to reshoot a disc if you missed entirely without hitting any other disc which happens a lot right? even to so experienced experience players so yes <laughs> yeah you hit those darn pegs it's good to test the pegs <laughs> and make sure they're screwed into the board nice and tight make sure they're bouncy um but uh you know it, it's it's nice for those those players because it gives them that extra mm-hmm. extra chance right and after you use the mercenary card you discard it and then at the start of the next round you can redraw it So my favorite way to use this deck is only allow the players of comparatively lower skill levels um, draw those mercenary cards. And uh, so that's Freelances. And the third and final deck that we include in Crokinole Imperium is, you know, was really looking to address a way to create even more ways to play, you know, almost like some Mm -hmm. mini games to Crokinole. Um, So the third deck is called Terra Nova, So in Latin, Terra Nova means new land. So every round, a new land card is drawn. And this globally changes the rules for everyone. And uh, some of these cards, I mean, drastically change the strategy of the game, uh, you know, for the round. So one of my favorites is Mountain. Okay. So with the Mountain card, whenever you shoot a disc... Um, any, any valid shot, you may take that shot disc and stack it on top of any other disc involved. Oh, in the wow. Okay. And additionally, those discs score more points for discs that are underneath it, you know, so the higher it's stacked, yeah. the more points you're going to gain from it. Um, and the physics are so fun that like, if there are two discs stacked that one on top, it's like protected. Like if you shoot your disc into the one underneath that disc underneath shoots and flies out of the way, that disc on top just drops right wow. down on the board. Interesting. So it almost gives you like some protection and uh, some oh. ways to play like that. Um, you know, other cards like uh, Cathedral, for example, you know, changes the rules where whenever you're shooting, if you knock an opponent's disc all the way into the gutter, it scores them 20 oh. points. So now... You're just going to get the outside, but you know, not you, drop it you in can't the gutter. Wow, your interesting. All right. Yeah. So you're trying to just push them into the lower scoring ring, Or if you do get their disc all the way onto the outer boundary line, that's the only way to get it off the board, you know, without giving them 20 points. Um, So, you know, it really changes some strategy like that. You're trying to crowd into the middle and, uh, you know, push theirs out. So, you know, all in all these three, you know, the three decks are modular. You can play with all three. You can play with two of them. Um, You know, you can play with just one of those decks of cards, but, It really just helps bring some freshness to the game. It doesn't, and it doesn't remove what makes Crokinole so fun, right? It's still simple, enjoyable. Um, doesn't require a whole bunch of mental mm-hmm. RAM, you know. I think that's where Crokinole really fits in. Is you know, it's such a great game in between those larger, right. crunchier games.
1: Well, it sounds like this game is uh, the, the game you've created, the expansion for Crokinole. Essentially, is right on as far as what you're trying to do. What you seem to have accomplished is to change the game in subtle ways to just. Just tweak the game experience, which I think is an automatic at this point. If you like the game of Crokinole, this seems like absolutely you got to get it and see how it changes your game and see how it helps you grow as a player to do things a little bit differently. And all this thing about this mountains. I didn't see the mountains before. I'm going to have to play that now. That's pretty cool.
0: So what do you have to say to people who may give the criticism like Crokinole is a perfect game. You shouldn't add – maybe a Crokinole purist is the word for that. What do you have to say to me that criticism – and where your idea of you know expanding upon and building upon this this game comes in.
1: Go back to curling. Yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so, I, I I would tell them I'm in total agreement. You know, I I had read a review of Crokinole Imperium. I, I don't know if it's on BGG or where it was at, but someone said something to the effect of, you know, it's a great expansion for a game that doesn't need one.
1: <laughs> and.
2: <laughs> I'm going to choose to take that as a compliment. I think it is. <laughs> I,
1: here's the thing. For that kind of person, you don't need the game. So don't get it. Like, just play Crokinole. If you don't want it, then it's not there for you. But I think that's the entire. Uh, I, that's the idea behind expansions as a whole. Like, there are plenty of games where I've played the expansion and thought, you know what? This isn't for me. Here's one. Splendor. I'll play regular Splendor all day long and three times on Sunday. And the expansions came out and... Maybe one of them I want to implement, but for the most part, I don't bother with that because I like the game as it is. But there are people out there who prefer those expansions and really want that experience to be a little more robust and a little deeper. And that's for them. So it's for you or not for you, and that's for you to decide. I love that. I love that. And yeah, it's you know, I I guess my
2: hope is that, you know, as Crokinole is a gateway game for some individuals, you know, this could be that something a little bit extra that helps draw them into that, you know, the board gaming. Um, side of things you know so that they might be open to you know more i guess different dexterity games you know more complex games and and things as they go along you know so maybe this might lead to them
1: eventually playing like flip right. or some you know some some game like that i really like what you did and i think that's nice that you're taking a bridge to more board game thought process but i feel like the world needs more mainstream dexterity games so what are you trying to invent next that we can have as a lawn game so that we can have something more outdoors. That's not just ladder toss or, you know, I like cornhole. Cornhole's is great, but I mean, there's gotta be something better out Woo. there. So what do you got in your brain or, or are you thinking about in your brain, the next great lawn game? That, that,
2: <laughs> that is a great question, Andrew, you know, for for any game designer out there listening who has an amazing idea, just just reach <laughs> out to me. I, I will probably say yes, <laughs> but uh, you know, it it would take just finding you know find that game that you love, you know, find out what makes it really really good, and uh, you know what would make it even better. I am um, sure you have lots of game designers, lots of people with great ideas out there, and uh, you know, part of it's just bringing that bringing that to light. So. I don't have anything specifically um, in regards to that. You know, as far as other dexterity games, I did have the creator of Jam Mm. Sumo reach out to me, and he he had expressed interest in us bringing Jam Sumo here to the U.S. more. I I think here in the very near future, we are going to have some Jam Sumo boards available for individuals. So if you like flicking dice, this will play right into that. So
0: what's Jam Sumo? I haven't heard of this.
2: So Gavin created Jam Sumo and his company is Cubico Games. And what it looks like is you, you play on a round platform and then there are some elevated platforms around that. So each player has their own elevated platform around this flat surface and there's a hole in the middle. Okay. So the first part of the game is, is jam and everyone has their dice set up on these platforms with the number four facing up and You go around and you will flick one disc at a time, and your goal is to get them into the middle and get them off the board. Okay. Now, if your dice are left on the board at the end of the round, you're going to get points, which negatively affects you. Okay. Based on the number of die, the die number that's showing. So, if your disc goes all the way off the board, you just reset it on your platform, and you know you continue flicking from there. So, you want to kind of knock your opponents away, make them reshoot their dice, and you want to get yours in that center hole to you know, get all your dice off the board. Um, so that's like the first phase of the game. The next phase of the game is called Sumo. So in this phase, you place your dice, All everyone's dice are on the lower platform, and you are flicking your dice to knock theirs off the board. And the last player's dice mm. remaining wins. So that's Sumo. You're trying to push them off the board and, and knock them away. So there, there's that kind of like crocodile shooting, you know, trying to make it to the center and then that second phase of trying to eliminate all your opponents off the board. And uh, you know, the the board that Gavin designed, it's it's modular, so you can play two players up to six players. Um and those platforms will go around the surface um to accommodate the number of players.
0: Wow, and now I'm just looking at the BGG page and cubicle games is a ton of different interesting looking stuff now i'm
1: just looking at like <laughs> going these, down the rabbit hole
0: yeah all this huge rabbit hole so looking at this then where where do you see the future of brown castle games in, you know in 10 years down the line is is it going to be producing these really nice games in america is it going to be you know making the world's largest Crokinole board. Well, what do you see?
2: Oh, that sounds like a great idea. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, here in the near future, we are going to be expanding um, to, you know, buying some land and putting a workshop up where we're going nice. to have some more space. So, you know, our goal really is to, you know, help some game designers with their their wooden projects, you know, or uh, we do some work with acrylics and things like that too you know, we can custom make those things right here in the US, you know, and hopefully, you know, help elevate the quality of a lot of these games mm-hmm. and components and things like that. So we love dexterity games. So we want to expand there. And beyond that, just any game that we can help provide that extra, that next level to. So for example, um, the maker of Lay Plateau, it's a it's a yes. trick-taking board game. You know, we we had someone reach out to us you know in regards to making those boards and uh the canadian game designer you know he 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 was all all for it and uh so it's it's nice we're able to support each other in regards to that we can make these beautiful boards for his print and play game so you know for those that just want to print it out on a sheet of paper you can do that if you want in you know a nice wooden board with inlaid tokens and all that modular you know we we can provide that and uh you know, speaking of game memories, you know, one of the things I saw was uh, Jamie Stegmeyer doing a doing a YouTube video and he held up our board and he said Browncastle games. I'm like, okay, well that's one thing <laughs> Check. off my checklist to accomplish in life. It wasn't about Crokinole. Hopefully, who knows, maybe that'll happen on down the road. But
1: I, I think it's only a matter of time. But yes, the Lay Plateau game is a fun game to begin with. And on top of that, when you add your quality version of those components, it definitely elevates it. I've played on the paper. Paper is fine. Your boards are so much better. And I love that you made it travel size. So it doesn't necessarily have to be a big thing in a big production. It can be something that you can take with you and play at a coffee shop and stuff like that. Although, you know, a full tarot deck is, a, is an interesting thing to try. A French tarot deck is actually an interesting thing to try to find, let alone play in a cafe. But yes, a uh, very cool thing that you're doing. And I'd love to hear more about what other games you have um in the docket or what are you tinkering with what what's what's the thing you're playing with or or are we spoiling here you got to keep it secret uh, you know
2: i don't have anything near enough to production to to share you know i had been working on a larger dexterity game that would be playable on a crocodile board you know i i guess i'm trying to think of like what would be the closest comparison something almost like labyrinth-esque mm, um okay you know labyrinth was a is a fun game There are little little similarities but uh, ten different classes, decks of cards for each class. But you know that that is something well off in the distance. Okay, so where do you see this? I almost want to call it a
0: subset of the hobby where I don't even know what to call it. Maybe you can help me, entry, Where it's dexterity games with like like maybe deluxe dexterity is the is the proper term for it. Hobby dexterity games, things sure. like, things like like crokinole, like jam sumo, that aren't necessarily you know like quote-unquote, kids games, even though the kids can obviously play them. But they have a huge hobby following. Where do you see the future of these things, these kind of games, in the hobby in just coming up?
2: Yeah, that that's a great question. I, I think they're going to, you know, for for vast majority of people, they they can be those intro games. For a lot of us players that, you know, really enjoy the, the complexity and the, the challenges and the strategy of other board games... I, I think they make great filler games um, for those times in between that, you know, kind of gives your brain a little bit of time to de-stress and relax and uh, unwind, you know, from some of those other, I guess, you know, more challenging games um, that, you know, require a lot of mental RAM, right? Cause it's easy to kind of sit around a table and relax and flick and shoot and do things like that rather than, you know, a game where you're, Trying to optimize an engine, yeah. right? And you're trying to think three three rounds ahead. You know, I'm going to be doing this. I'm going to have these upgrades, and that's going to allow me to do this. You know, it it kind of gives you a little bit of a breather from that. And uh, for different individuals, you know, I I think we need that, right? For someone that has a you know high stress job or something like that, they may need something a little more simple where they don't have to think as much, you know. But they don't want to just like sit on the couch and vegetate watching a show. Right. They want something engaging, but simple.
1: Yeah, I think it's good to have a yin to your yang, right? Like, I feel like there's a whole reason sometimes you get to play something heavy and crunchy and then maybe you want to play a game of spades or something a little lighter, a little easier, a little just soothing version of relaxing. Right. Like you want to do something that you're still engaged with. It's not passive, but it's not as actively smoke's not coming out of your ears is what I'm trying to say. Mm-hmm. So that's cool. Yeah, I think absolutely there's a place for all these things.
0: Okay, so to wrap this up, what do you have to say to any designer or tinkerer out there who is making one of these more deluxe, dexterity, wooden board type games?
2: Oh, I would just say, you know, bless them. <laughs> <laughs> you know, obviously the, the bigger you go, you know, shipping becomes becomes a question. Mm-hmm. So making something that can be compact or portable, you know, you know, think about think about who you're making this game for, right? If this is a big game, we need a way to transport it, right? Obviously, one of the things Browncastle Games is known for in Crokinole is, is their padded carrying case, right? That is something we have, we designed and we altered and edited. Um, You know, we're to the point now where we have, you know, a padded carrying case with rubber bumpers on it. It's padded. It has tons of pockets for all the components and things like that because people with a Crokinole board, they want to be able to travel and take it to the family events and all that. Yeah. Um, you know, and for those tinkerers, I, I would say, you know, make your first version, right? Play with it and play test it. I guess this goes for a lot of game designers, you know, just keep play testing and just find ways to improve it and then improve it and play test more. Mm-hmm. I can tell you that, you know, even just designing Crocodile and Birium, man, we play tested for months and months and months each of those decks you know as we as we went through that process you know it's not something that goes as fast at least for your first game um that goes as fast as you would expect awesome well we are
0: deep down here in the crocodile sea looking at all the flicking fish disc flicking disc fish whatever however it's called They're discs that go really fast to be hit them that's 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 the point i'm trying to make <laughs> let's go ahead and see what's on our sonar and look into our gaming of the future on the sonar we talk about one game we are looking forward to playing and why are we are looking forward to playing it andrew how about you kick this one off
1: yeah let's talk about yin to the yang i'm gonna go ahead and go with silver and gold which is a um it's like a roll and write but you draw on the cards and apparently you are basically hunting treasure i saw this played at several different events including a board game cafe recently and it just it looks like fun to just draw on each card and a new card comes out and you got a new little island to try to fill in. And I picked up a copy and I'm really excited to check that one out. I've heard a lot of good things. And so that's what I'm looking forward to playing next. Steven, we,
2: you know, our, our group of gamers just had a little Christmas party. And, uh, you know, one of the things I saw them playing was Wingspan, you know, a a group of our friends, I didn't get to play, but they had like, a huge box and i'm sure they had all the expansions shuffled in and mixed mm-hmm. in and uh see seeing all the different kinds of birds and i like the idea of the you know i i saw one player had like a huge stack of on of cards under one of their birds and the idea of those predatory birds eating all those yes or the flocking birds you know building up that deck underneath them for for extra points at the end mm-hmm. um i like i like the decision making you know it's you're basically choosing like four different decisions of, hey, you know, what do I want to do this round? Mm-hmm. And uh, how, how can I build that engine? So I'm looking forward to that. I have Wingspan. It has been sitting on my my game area there for two months. So I'm looking forward to getting it out and uh, playing this holiday season.
1: That's, that's a great choice. Uh, I'm a huge Wingspan player, and I introduce to all people that are non-gamers constantly. And I'm always surprised in a very pleasant way how approachable that game is Once you get past that first barrier, like once you play that first round, the light seems to go on for a lot of people. So I'm not saying you should make it a gateway game, but I'm thinking you can test people more than you think you can with that game. And it usually is so pleasing to watch that light bulb go off and watch them learn to see where the engine building process comes. And I think it's one of the best versions of an engine building game out there. So I wish you all the joy that comes with discovering a new great game and I'll play anytime you want to.
2: Awesome. Well, that sounds great. You know, one, one other thing that we do with that Christmas party, I, I don't know if some of your listeners might be interested in something like this. If you tend to get together with fellow players that time of year, we always do a... A, a little gift exchange mm-hmm. where everyone brings in a board that or a board game that they either, they just don't play very much anymore, you know, or that they no longer need in their collection. And, uh, you know, we always recommend bringing, you know, good games. Yeah, They're right. uh, so not, not like checkers or something like that, but, uh, you know, so, you know, a, a good board game that, you know, you no longer need or you just don't play very frequently. And, uh, so everyone wraps their gifts and we put these all on a big table and then, uh, you know, you can decide some way, either drawing cards or whatnot, to see who gets to go first. And uh, the first person will go up, pick a random box. They'll, uh, you know, they'll open up their the game and they'll they'll show it to see what they got. And then the next player, you know, or the next person that gets drawn, they can either steal a gift from oh. a player that has one already opened, or they can go grab a mystery gift from up at the table.
1: Ah, the old brown and, elephant uh, accent. I like it.
2: There you go. Yeah, and and if they steal a gift, then that player can either steal a different gift or they can go grab another unopened gift so it's a great way for you to get games that other people are no longer playing right and you know to trade off some of those games that uh you know you no longer play yourself but it's a great gift exchange and it's a lot of fun
0: great well to wrap this up i am looking forward to playing robinson crusoe from portal games designed by Ignacy Trevcek. Because I look forward to punishing myself when I play my games. (laughs) But um, this is a very large, very difficult co-op survival game where you are... I don't know too much about it besides that I know it's very difficult. And there's very complex, lots of little rules. But my wife won it in a raffle and she was super excited to play it because of the game that she really wanted. So I'm going to sit down with her. I'm going to learn it (laughs) so that I can teach her how to play it. It's going to be a fun time. I'm excited. It's just, it's just going to be a minute, but it's in the future, so I'm looking forward to it. Well, we've kept Steven down here long enough. Let's shoot right back up to the service so we can let him get on his flicking way.
1: The flicking jokes never stop.
0: And they won't ever stop. <laughs> Okay. So Stephen, thank you so much for coming to the podcast today. If people want to support you or Browncastle games, what can they do?
2: Absolutely. Um, you can find us on Facebook, um, browncastlegames.com. If you're looking for like a private Crokinole group, um, check out Browncastle champions on uh, Facebook. It's a private group, but you can get some insights into the things that are coming through and, uh, you know, get a little, little knowledge of what's coming. Besides that Instagram, Look up Brown Castle Games. Um, you'll see my lovely wife, Megan, on there. She does an amazing job kind of showing off some of those boards we create. So thank you, guys. No, thank you so much. We look forward to seeing your beautiful boards at Origins and
0: Gen Con and wherever you're going to be. We look forward to it.
1: Also, for those who are interested in finding out more about Local Crokinole, there are lots of little clubs all over the place. Lots of different cities are doing it. I know Pittsburgh has a few. I know Chicago has Windy City Crokinole. There's a bunch of stuff like that. So uh, you can go to your Facebook or you can go on your other things like that and and just look for local crokinole clubs. I highly recommend that.
0: Awesome. Well, as always, my name is Josh. And I'm Andrew. And I'm Steve. And this has been Tabletop Submarine. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to support the Tabletop Summary Podcast, please consider giving us five stars on iTunes and share this podcast with your friends, family, and other gamers in your life. See you on the next voyage.